0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You know, always kind of trying to plan your future. You're thinking about the next best thing, what you can do for your job, for your business, whatever it may be. You're always forward thinking to a fault for me. So instead of being, you know, present in the moment, meditating, I'm thinking about, okay, so I'm going to shower and then I'm going to eat. And then I have to answer that email and that email. And you know, you're like trying to get ahead of yourself, which is impossible because you know, the only moment is the moment. So present awareness for me and getting present has really come from the practice of yoga, the practice of meditation, the practice of walking and being in nature. It's, I mean, it's a skill.
1: All right, Look Up listeners, welcome back to another great episode of The Look Up Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Weinstein. And as always, thank you so much for listening along. It is March 1st, 2021. And in this conversation, I had the opportunity to check in with Olivia Bowser. Olivia is the founder of Liberate Studio in Los Angeles, a studio that helps individuals to focus on their mental fitness. Liberate is founded on the belief that your health is multidimensional. They practice the flow of movement, reflection, journaling, conversation, meditation to help you live lightly and more fully in the pre- present. Liv has a background in physical fitness. She was a varsity skier, as I discover in the middle of this podcast episode. I personally love skiing and I'm super impressed at how fast some of these uh, varsity athletes go. She's mentioned she goes 65 miles per hour. At one point during the episode, she's a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher, uh, which she learned after struggling personally with anxiety when she was working the intense life of a digital marketing professional in the C suite at a startup company. As a fellow entrepreneur myself who struggled with mental health challenges like anxiety and stress and sometimes depression often brought on by the vicissitudes of startup life, this really resonated with me. Um, It was a great conversation. Olivia or Liv spoke about the five important pillars of mental fitness that guide, liberate. One is presence. The other is gratitude. The third is courage. Fourth, resilience. And the final is pride, which... To some of you may be a surprising element of mental fitness, but I thought that Liv did a great job of explaining why it's included in her program. So that's it for me. I hope you enjoy the episode. I know that I enjoyed speaking with Liv. I learned a ton and I'll catch you next week on another episode of Look Up. Okay, so Olivia Bowser, Liv, thank you so much for coming on the Look Up podcast. Appreciate it.
0: So happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely, it's my pleasure. Um, So, yeah, you know, really wanted to bring you on the show to speak about uh, your work with Liberate, which we're going to get into, and specifically kind of cultivating this idea of mental fitness. Um, So, I'd love for you to maybe Share with the listeners what your view or perspective on mental fitness is, maybe even define mental fitness as a good place to start.
0: Yeah. Um, if I if I had to put it into like a single sentence definition, I would say mental fitness is anything you do that keeps your your brain and your mindset in the best shape possible. So, you know, I think people really easily understand physical fitness as things that you do to exercise your body. And so mental fitness is things that you do to exercise your mind. And, um, you know, it could be called mental wellness. It's kind of a branch of mental health, but really anything that you're doing, it doesn't have to be, you know, training to boost your IQ or anything like that, but things that help you decompress, de-stress and build those mental muscles all fall into mental fitness.
1: And when did you start thinking about mental fitness as something in your life that was important to, um, to cultivate or to strengthen?
0: I start, I mean, I think I started thinking about it long before I knew that I was thinking about it. I have, hmm. you know, experienced anxiety and kind of started experiencing uncomfortable mental emotions years ago and I didn't really know much about mental health, and it wasn't really something that anyone was talking about when I started experiencing those symptoms and it wasn't until I really got into mindfulness so things like yoga meditation journaling that I you know kind of coined it personally as mental fitness and toning my mind um, you know the same way you'd go to a physical fitness studio and lift dumbbells to tone your biceps that was kind of how I equated the other mindfulness activities that I was doing and That was probably like three years ago, I think, when I really had a grip on it.
1: Yeah. And I guess following on that, I mean, when you say you started experiencing feelings of anxiety, um, where were these showing up in your life and like what, what kind of recognizable features did you notice or patterns around that? And this is coming from someone, by the way, who I think maybe my listeners know this after uh, after 50 plus episodes that I can come across potentially very calm, but I'm a garden variety neurotic and I experience anxiety all the time. So
0: <laughs> good to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, for I, sure. I think
0: we all experience anxiety and it probably manifests differently for pretty much everyone. But for me, when it initially started, it was a lot of like feeling uncomfortable in my own skin. You would get, mm. I would, you know, my heart would beat fast. I would feel really hot and I would be like, I need to leave the building. I need to jump out of my skin. And it was just really, it came down to like a sense of discomfort within myself. And I didn't know how to work through that. I felt very helpless in those situations. And so that would, you know, turn into panic and that would just turn into really prolonged anxiety attacks because I didn't have the tools or the skills or the mental strength to get myself out of them.
1: And outside of anxiety or um, cultivating a sense of, of calm, you know, what other elements does do you believe mental fitness um, encompasses?
0: So at Liberate My Company, we have five core mindfulness themes, like mental fitness themes, and there's mm-hmm. absolutely more, but... After talking to a lot of experts and working with sports psychologists, these appear to be the five biggest themes and it's presence. So present awareness, building your focus, your awareness with the moment. Courage, which includes vulnerability. It includes Mm risk-taking, gratitude, appreciation, kindness, all those good things that fall under gratitude. And then pride, which is a really tricky one. Pride is confidence, self-love, stepping into your power. And then the final theme that we talk about is resilience. So that's creativity, that's flexibility, that's clarity. And I mean, there's so many skills that your mind you know, can build, but those are really the ones that we see a lot of kind of struggle with, a lot of areas of weakness or fragility within um, that can really transform your life if you're a little bit stronger in them.
1: And each of those um, through Liberate, you've crafted a program around strengthening each of those attributes.
0: Yes. Yep. Very so very well. they're all, I mean... We all need all of them, but some people gravitate Mm -hmm. more toward, you know, if you know that you have low confidence or you have negative self talk, you're probably going to gravitate more toward getting proud and working on those skills. If you feel like you are really resilient and you're able to stay in the present moment, you know, you may not feel as called to explore those themes, but we could benefit from all of them realistically.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely a life's practice, right? I'm reminded of kind of like the yamas and niyamas of yoga and you know, I often talk about those on the show, but like, you know, tapas um, as kind of discipline and and that kind of reminds me a little bit of courage and, you know, compassion, ahimsa, uh, and that falls a bit in kind of like the category of gratitude um, and, you know, so many more. I guess resilience, w- what does resilience mean to you? Because that was one that when I saw that, I was like, hmm, this is really interesting Uh concept to be included with the other five, which are a little more intuitive to me. Uh, Except we should go into pride too, because I think pride has like this negative connotation that I'd love to explore deeper with you, but let's start with resilience.
0: So out of the five themes, resilience is the fifth. It means it's the most advanced. It's the one that asks you to go the deepest. And Mm. I think I mean resilience kind of became a buzzword in 2020 I would say because everyone was told you know to have resilience and make it through the pandemic and for me resilience is the ability to endure the ability to stand tall to continue to exist and move forward despite you know any challenges that are going on around you and You can think of a mountain, like standing tall within all the weather and all the elements that are going on. When you think of resilience, sometimes I think of the like balloons outside of car sales lots that flop all over the place in the wind (laughs) and they always come back upright to the position. That's what I always think of with resilience. And it's just, you know, you can get knocked down. That's no problem. Resilience is not about being perfect. It's not about never failing. It's about getting up after you're knocked back down. So we do a lot of training around recognizing moments of failure. Okay, what happened after that failure? What helped you get out of that hole? Kind of building like a resilience toolkit. So whenever you go through times of struggles, you know that music helps, friends help, you know, going for a walk or setting a new goal. Like you kind of have these tools that you can pull from to build your resilience. And then it's also just about reflecting on The fact that you are resilient, I think so many of us feel like things are the end of the world all the time. And my dad said to me once, I've lived through the end of the world so many times. And that Hmm. is one of my favorite quotes because I used to call him, you know, in panic about different (laughs) things at work or whatever it may be. And he was like, I've lived through the end of the world so many times, you're going to be fine. And sometimes it takes reflecting on things afterward to realize... Oh my gosh! I've overcome so much. I can do anything. It's just hard to realize that in the moment sometimes, unless you've really developed that sense of resilience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that quality, as you said, is is a word that has been coming up a lot during COVID because people are, you know, people are kind of wondering like, what the world has changed. How do I get through this? You know, so many people suffering, so many unemployed, so many dead. Like it's it's just a bizarre world out there in some ways. And I think, you know, your father's advice around um, living through the end of the world, it can apply to kind of like these micro crises that we create, which one of my favorite um, yoga, I guess, gurus um, and leaders, uh, Tom Knowles uh, calls them choo-choo problems. You know, like we all have our choo-choo problems. It's from a story that he tells about his son who lost his choo-choo train and his reaction. But you know, then there are things that really aren't choo-choo problems, like, you know, like COVID, for example. And and it feels like the world is turned upside down. And yet, to have the resilience um, to kind of find calm in the chaos, I think is is a very incredible skill and to bounce back. So that's great that you're um, that you and the are working on training that. And then I think you know the other one that struck me is pride because. There's two things that come to mind when I think of pride. One is ego, um, and I think ego. I think of ego as like something that's meant to be um, overcome in a lot of ways, specifically in like the yoga practice. The other the second thing that comes to mind is cool runnings, but I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a great line where um, one of the main characters has placed the other main character in front of the mirror, and he makes him repeat this mantra, and the mantra is. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. nobody. And they're Jamaican, so I'm, that's my best Jamaican accent. But <laughs> it was good. it's Yeah, thanks. For the listeners that have seen that, maybe it'll resonate. Um, but anyway, so, so pride, right? Like, Why is that an attribute that um, you and Liberate believe is worth strengthening?
0: like you've said, I think pride can be pretty misconstrued. And a lot of the training that we do in Get Proud is like making space for pride. And for so long, I think for a lot of us, pride could be confused with bragging and you know, you're supposed to be humble and you're not supposed to talk about yourself or the good things that you've done. And so it actually creates negative self-talk and it can create this narrative of you never being good enough because instead of Acknowledging your own success, acknowledging your own accomplishments, you're focused on outward and you're focused on comparison. And so to create a space where you can say, I love how funny I am, or I did such a great job at work today, or whatever it may be, and be proud of who you are. We've invested however many years on earth we've been on earth. You invested that much time into becoming who you are in this moment. So to never give yourself the space to celebrate that, celebrate all the hard work you've done to evolve on a daily basis is soul crushing. I mean, especially with millennial women, which is what I am and you know the initial demographic that I created Liberate for, mm-hmm. our egos are terrible. I mean, we are all so insecure and, and we really beat ourselves down and huge low levels of confidence, low levels of self-love. And... I think a lot of that is because there has never really felt like there was space for us to do something else. And that's not true for everyone. Of course, it's not a blanket statement, but for a lot of women, it's the hardest theme that we have and they rank themselves the lowest with confidence than they do out of any of the other skills. And I think just the first step of just, you know, asking people to acknowledge what they like about themselves is a way to change that narrative. So it doesn't mean you know you're going to brag 24/7 and and become hugely egotistical but it means that you're going to love yourself and step into your power and own your worth and that is ultimately you know better for everyone involved in your life and it makes you a lot happier. So that's pride is hugely important to me. I I it's hard to lead classes and witness the lack of pride. And that's why I do it because there's Mm -hmm. so much growth opportunity within those skills. And they are skills. It's just like anything else. If you wake up and say those things to yourself in the mirror that they did in that movie, you're Mm going to feel it and you're going to believe it. But if you wake up and say, Oh my gosh, I have another wrinkle. I hate the color of my hair. I need to lose 30 pounds oh my God, what a terrible way to live life. So that's really the narrative that we work on changing.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think like the word choice is what's so interesting because it it is, um, you know, it does have this negative connotation and like you often hear like self-esteem or, or, you know, self-confidence. What do you, why do you think it's important to kind of use that word, uh, that word pride versus the other kind of tropes that we're so used to hearing?
0: I think some of the other words may feel a little soft or fluffy to some people. And Mm -hmm. pride is so ownable. I mean, everyone, I think everyone can get behind pride. It doesn't feel feminine or it doesn't feel weak. It feels strong. It's a really strong word. And that's what I wanted all of our words to be. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, studies about... You probably know about this, you know, the, the companies that say, do this to reduce your stress and do this to decrease loneliness, but we, all of our language should be the opposite. So do this to increase your happiness, do this to increase your self-love instead of talking about the negative, talking about the positive that will come from a practice. And I think pride does that really well. And it's also about kind of countering that like bragging culture or that mentality of, you know, you're not able to celebrate yourself. Pride is, you know celebrating yourself essentially. So I think that, you know, that, that word just seemed the most powerful and the most universal to me when I was creating it.
1: That's beautiful. I, um, I'm reminded of, you know, one of my favorite presidential candidates, Marianne Williamson, um, in her book, a return to love, she wrote a poem, um, our deepest fear And the opening lines, um, and I may butcher this and I'll include a link in the show notes, but it's, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, is that we are great beyond measure. It is not our darkness that, Uh, we got to get this because I love this one. Have you heard this poem before?
0: I haven't, but I'm really excited for it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. We're on a podcast. We We can pull this up.
0: And I love the use of the word liberate in there too. That just tied together perfectly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Come on, I love when those things tie together. So that's actually a great segue. So so liberate, you know, like when did you decide um to create liberate? And what opportunity did you see um, or what challenge, you know, of course, you know, maybe global anxiety or something when you talk about that, but you might even keep it more on like the positive affirmation side of an opportunity. So what opportunity did you see and what led you to start Liberate?
0: I am a physical fitness junkie. I was super active growing up. I was a collegiate athlete. I moved to LA and I, you know, spent six days a week going to berries and soul cycle and Pilates studios and yoga studios. And it was what I did for fun. It was what I did to feel good. It was what I did to find a you know sense of community in LA. I was pretty new the, to the city. And I recognized that I was in very good physical shape, but I really didn't feel great mentally. I felt really anxious. I was employee number one at a startup. I was working like crazy. I didn't understand life. And I was just really overwhelmed. And I didn't know what to do to fix it. And I, you know, kind of explored therapy. I did a lot of meditation on meditation apps and, you know, tested out the different existing options. And none of them really left me feeling more connected to human beings and more connected to myself and also stronger mentally. You know, I knew I was super strong physically, but how did I get that strong mentally? And there really wasn't anything that I could find that was what I was looking for and that I thought was really what we needed. And when I say we, I mean human beings, but I also just mean my friends that I would talk to and we were all stressed and anxious and we all like didn't really have new friends in LA. We knew each other from college and, you know, how can you, you know, work on yourself while just feeling good and feeling energized the same way you would in a physical fitness workout. So that was really the idea that I took. And, you know, there are so many physical fitness studios out there. Why don't I just take that model and apply it to mental fitness and mental well-being? And so that was really the the birth of Liberate. And I had, you know, a full-time job in digital marketing. I was making a pretty penny, didn't really want to just leave and start start a company without any research. So I spent, you know, some time talking to experts. Like I said, I worked with sports psychologists to see like what the themes were. Is this even, you know, a viable solution, talking to different mindfulness experts, writing a business plan, doing all the, you know, due diligence on my end. And then I think, you know, like we said, there's a mental health crisis. Mental health is incredibly yeah, yeah. fragile. And when COVID started, That was just exposed even more so. So before when I was kind of doing this on the back burner and creating like a longer term plan to launch once COVID hit, it really, I took it as a sign from the universe that like, you're going to do this and you're going to do this now because people need it. And they did before and they definitely do now and, you know, trust your gut. So that really you know, worked out for me, I suppose, that COVID happened because I think it... Obviously, we wish it didn't happen. But by COVID existing, it's created an even larger awareness around mental health, whereas some people maybe before could kind of ignore their mental state, even if it wasn't in a great place, even if it wasn't super strong. Mm -hmm. You're busy, you know, doing other things. You can kind of just push it aside. But now it's really an issue that needs to be addressed because... Um, you know, we only have ourselves to a degree, and so we want to be as strong as we can be physically and mentally.
1: Yeah, I think that's super on point, and we'll definitely get back to COVID and and what it was like starting a company in COVID. I think, you know, I think so many people stepped up spe- specifically during those first few months. Um, you know, it was some of the most positive use of social media that I had ever seen. You know, and and really tapping into people's gifts, um, giving gifts of, of meditation and breath and, you know, psychological support and group classes. And, you know, there was just so much, so many offerings and it was so beautiful to see people step up. And I'm glad that you were one of them. Uh, I do want to circle back. Um, so, so you, um, you were a, a college athlete, varsity athlete in college. What sport did you play?
0: I was a downhill ski racer.
1: at Syracuse
0: University yeah
1: whoa that's so cool so um how fast did you go
0: I got more scared the older I got because you kind of realize how badly you can get hurt but I remember in I I did it in high school as well and in high school I was clocked at like 65 miles an hour
1: which is crazy (laughs) wow that's awesome and um do you still ski
0: I do. I don't, I'm going to Mammoth in March safely, which yes. I'm very excited for. But other, I mean, like maybe once or twice a year now, because there's not a lot of snow in LA. So eventually, <laughs> <laughs> I'll work that on getting more Yeah, <laughs> it's not too
1: far. And so, um, so, so you were a skier in, in university. Did you ever have any, um, any crashes?
0: Never too badly. Like I never, you know, I never tore my ACL or I had those accidents that a lot of skiers have. And I think the older I got, the more I realized how rare that was, which is why I started going maybe a little bit slower.
1: Um, <laughs> like, <"All> right, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, different it's going to yeah. happen soon. So
0: Definitely uh, had like some yard sales. That's what we call it when you fall and your skis and poles and everything goes flying. Fly <laughs> had lots of yard sales, but never never anything really dangerous. I think you, again, obviously bad things happen, but sometimes you can, if you know you're going to fall, you can like make it easier on yourself. So I would always try to do that. Like like You, yeah, you just like, you could, um, you also set your skis at a certain tightness so you can step out of them or, you know, you'll lose it if you're rolling so that it's not like hitting you and, making your leg bend in all crazy types of ways. There's things you can do to make it a little less painful, but I just got lucky. That's for sure.
1: What, um, what lessons did you carry over from, you know, being a varsity skier, um, race racing into kind of this mental fitness practice? Well, I,
0: It's interesting because a lot of the sports I played were more individual sports. They were tennis. I was a show jumper on horses and then ski racing. And so those are all you're on teams, but you're you're ranked individually and you're competing as an individual ultimately. Um, And that made me really crave a team that made me really crave like a support system where genuinely everyone was there just to. Be together and lift each other up and all get better. And I think that fed into, you know, wanting like a community in a safe space as an adult. But it taught me so many things. I mean, I'm so grateful my dad strapped skis on me when I was, you know, two or whatever it was to get Mm -hmm. me into the lifestyle. Such a
1: great gift.
0: Yeah. I feel probably incredibly resilient from it. I mean, I would go out in zero degrees in a speed suit, which is you're basically naked (laughs) in skis, you know, and you're hitting gates and you're falling and you're getting up and you're freezing and you're losing. And it got me to be in this pretty durable space where even if I lost, which I hated to do, I would go out the next weekend and try to win again, you know, or I'd go up the next run and try to do better. And, And there's just so much room for improvement and growth in the sport that it was really, it just kind of sets you up to be able to apply that same mentality to everything else in life. And I also often think about this when you're in a ski hut, when you're about to go down a a run, you have to stand in the ski hut, you're naked, you're so stressed out, you're watching all the people go before you. And they give you like a 30 second countdown, a minute countdown. And then when it's Five or 10 seconds, they say, racer are ready. And you can put your poles over the clock ticker. And then they count you down and you go out the gate and skate as hard as you can before you start skiing. And I remember feeling like I was going to throw up before doing that every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think about it now and I would classify that now as anxiety, but I mm. didn't at the time. At the time, it was excitement. Exciting. It was like, yeah. you know, and so I think as I've gotten older, I mean, I haven't felt that level of intense intensity in a long time. But if I did now, I think I would be quick to label it as anxiety. And it's just a good reminder for me, like, no, that was excitement. You were jazzed up, you were ready to go. And so trying to reprogram those moments in my mind where I feel those sensations to be like, no, you're excited. You're good. You're good. And you know, it was, you're so resilient as a kid. I wish I could had more of it in me now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we almost like unlearn the resiliency that, that it comes naturally to us as children because we, you know, we get burned and, you know, and sometimes it just hurts to get back on the horse, so to speak, or back on the skis or whatever. And so it's like, yeah, kids are so buoyant. I, I feel like there's so much to learn from watching children play as an example. Um, I think that's probably a beautiful part of being a parent. Or you know, I get to be an uncle, so I get to do that without the responsibilities. But, <laughs> um, not that I don't want them, but um, yeah, I think I think it sounds like you know, through your through sport, you know, resiliency and pride, or two, and courage are three that of the five um, mental fitness traits that you train that maybe have come naturally to you, or that you've been able to cultivate over um, over over your lifetime. So, what about the other two?
0: Present awareness is something that I I think a lot of people struggle with, but I'll just speak for myself and say that I have always struggled <laughs> with it. I think when you're, you know, always kind of trying to plan your future, or you're thinking about the next best thing, what you can do for your job, for your business, whatever it may be. You're always forward thinking to a fault for me. So instead of being, you know, present in the moment, meditating, I'm thinking about okay, so I'm going to shower and then I'm going to eat. And then I have to answer that email and that email. And you know, you're like trying to get ahead of yourself, which is impossible because you know, the only moment is the moment. So present awareness for me and getting present has really come from the practice of yoga, the practice of meditation, the practice of walking and being in nature. It's Mm. I mean, it's a skill, right? Like I am going to continue to get better at it every day until I die and I will never be perfect at it. But I've definitely trained it to the point where I am very much more present than I would have been two years ago. And I'm able to recognize when I'm not present and give myself the tools I need to come back into the present, which is really... I mean, that's what being present is. It's not that you're always paying attention to that moment. It's that you can recognize when you're not. So... That is probably an area of weakness for me, but it's something I I work on and I'm definitely getting better at. And then in terms of gratitude, which is the other theme, it's, it's such a beautiful practice. And in my opinion, it's one of the easiest practices to master because, I mean, they're all habits, but with gratitude, you could look around you right now and find things that you're grateful for on your table you can open your eyes and close your eyes every day and think of things that you're grateful for, even if it's your bed and the way your toothpaste tastes, it doesn't have to be these huge, you know, grand things. And I think that that makes it really attainable for people to put into practice. So I love gratitude practice. I do it daily. I do what I just said every morning and night. I say three things I'm grateful for, and then I journal on it as well. Um, And it, it's not something I've ever done prior to really building Liberate, but it's something that has now become so natural and so enjoyable to me. It's a great starting place. I think if you're like getting into mindfulness or getting into mental training, gratitude is pretty approachable in my experience.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I think I think that um, gratitude is one of these interesting concepts where like going back to ch- childhood, we're almost like programmed for polite gratitude, I would call it. So it's like, You know, say your pleases and thank yous, like you're at the the pizza party for your friend's birthday when you're three years old and it's like, what do you say? And it's like thank you, but you don't really necessarily like understand what it means to feel gratitude. You know, and I think we can get that from peak experience sometimes. So maybe you can get a sense of gratitude from like an NDE, like a near-death experience, or, you know, you get a sense of gratitude from seeing the majesty of nature, right? And just realizing how small we are, um, or even just like feeling your body after just like an incredible feat, like maybe running a marathon or, or a race. Um, and I, th- I think just like really training the, em- the emotional state of gravity of gratitude, not gravity, apologize, um, is, is like something that is necessary for us as adults. Um, because I think that really rediscovering what it means to be grateful and it is a muscle that you train, uh, and there's so much to be grateful for. Um, and it's, it feels like a cliche, but it's just like the science behind it as well. Like it is, we kind of are not capable of feeling, um, Fear and anxiety while we're we're in a state of gratitude, so it is a powerful practice, and I agree it's a great starting point for folks that are looking into mindfulness um, I want to circle back so so you know you moved to Los Angeles and you were working in digital marketing and you were first employee at a startup company what was what was that like?
0: It was an incredible experience that I'm now <laughs> very grateful for um nice during the time it was i mean it was just a lot it was my first job out of school so you don't even know how to work to begin with you don't know how to be a human outside of a, you know educational environment and there were really high expectations that i desperately wanted to meet and you know did everything i could to do that but you know not really having a team felt a little bit lonely i felt you know, a lot of pressure to perform, which was maybe, you know, self-inflicting, but a lot of pressure to perform, pressure to perform, which led to, you know, anxiety and stress. And I didn't, like I said, I just didn't have the tools to counter that. I think it would be so different to put me in the same exact position now. And I would probably be totally fine, but because I was so Fresh, and I really didn't have the skills necessary to succeed in that role to avoid burnout. A lot of burnout happens just because you don't have the tools you need to create the environment for your own success. And that's not to your fault, you know, that could be to the company's fault. But in my case, I just really wasn't able to give myself What I needed. And so I ended up just getting so overwhelmed that I eventually had to quit. And I just, you know, walked away and I started doing digital consulting for a couple months just to get myself back on my feet. I mean, I had rashes on my body from the stress. Like I was not handling it well. And I, you know, I feel so bad for that version of myself because I just truly didn't know what to do. I felt really helpless in the environment. And, you know, after that, I, I got other jobs and I found my rhythm and I you know, would journal during lunch breaks and I would meditate before work and I would do yoga after work. And I really found a rhythm that worked for me. So even though I was leading digital marketing at a company and working crazy hours and in this intense environment, I wasn't nearly as affected. I could leave it at the office and I could take the time for myself that I needed so that I could show up fully the next day. It's not possible for every job, but it's definitely a lot easier when you know what you need. And I just didn't at first.
1: Yeah. And I think that experience is so valuable because it's it, it really is a shared experience for um, millennials. Uh, I, I think that because of technology and where we're at and just the constant state of connectivity and the almost like. Fabled stories of entrepreneurs um, working, you know, nonstop hours. We don't have a separation in our lives, so a lot of that anxiety that you described, you know, to to the point of getting rashes. I think is something that's shared amongst amongst all of us because we don't really have like a clear cut distinction between where the work that we're doing ends and the rest of our lives begin, and it can creep into everything. So I'm always like amused by. You know, boomers and and Gen Xs that like to say that millennials, you know, complain too much or don't work, have the work ethic. I think that millennials have phenomenal work ethic. And we're just, what we lack is really the ability as individuals and the toolkit to process the inundation of information um, and expectation. Uh, That is kind of dropped on us um, in you know in the US and we have a lot of privilege and that's true But we also have a lot of issues Um, And this is definitely one of them. And so I think you know Programs like yoga and meditation and mindfulness and journaling and all all of that and now with what you're building at liberate like these are so foundationally important um, to kind of resolving this like crisis of anxiety um, that I think exist among people in, in our, you know, age bracket, let's call it. Um, so one, one thing that's been on my mind about Liberate is like, what does a program look like? You know, I'm an individual. I decide, hey, I want to like, I want to get involved with Liberate. I want to check it out. Like, is it a personalized program that's created for me? Is it like drop into classes, you know, as a starting point? Does it have a little bit of both? Um, how, how does one get involved?
0: It has a little bit of everything. My, I would say one of the number one things that's most important to me with Liberate is accessibility. So regardless of your schedule, your finances, your you know familiarity with mindfulness, there's a good starting point for you. So we do have drop-in classes just like a physical fitness studio, six days a week. You can come take a 30-minute class or a 60-minute class whenever it works with your schedule. And then we're starting to build... Um, courses as well on top of that. So if you've tried a class or maybe you haven't tried a class, you really just want a course. You can sign up for our five week proud program. So it's five weeks of get proud classes that are going to build on each other every week. And you're going to take a survey before and you're going to take a survey after and you're going to see how your skills develop. So you have those results you can feel and the results you can, you know, quantitate as well, which I think is really important again, digital marketer. (laughs) Um, and, and so those courses have become, um, I mean, we just started introducing them in 2021, but I think that they're a really great way for people to really commit to growing a specific skill. If there's, An area that you want to work on. And then we also have on demand. If you just want to, you know, join class on your own on meditations or our Liberate Method classes, you can do that on demand. And then we also do corporate classes, which has been not something I planned on, but just kind of a lane that opened. And so we've been filling that need and working with different companies to help boost employee relations to help de-stress employees, enhance their productivity and their focus and kind of customize programs based off of what corporation's goals are. Um, So there's so many different ways you can get involved and you can really just choose your own adventure with that. But the goal is that eventually, you know, you're mixing and matching and trying them all and um, whatever, you know, makes sense for you to build your skills. We want to have that option for you
1: yeah that sounds great. i mean I think there's a lot of touch points for people to um to learn i um you know you started this during during the pandemic i mean what was that what was that like being an entrepreneur kind of you know striking out on your own this is your first startup company correct so yeah so striking out to to build your first startup company in the midst of a global pandemic i mean what was that experience like and like have you scaled up a team are you raising capital like what what's going on?
0: Well, luckily I have never started a company before, so I don't know what it would be like to start a company not in covid <laughs> and I think that yeah. that probably is, you know, to my advantage because I'm like, well this is just what it is. Um it's been so fulfilling. I have had really great jobs before and I have never felt as meaningful or like in my purpose as I do within Liberate and it's just because, you know, what I was doing before wasn't mine. It wasn't for me. And I didn't really believe in the, the vision as much as I would with, you know, mental fitness. Um, so it's been, you know, a lot of hard work. But like I said, I've got that resilience skill set up. So that definitely helps me. And I hired four amazing class leaders. We don't call our, you know, um, class facilitators, teachers or instructors. We call them leaders because we're really leading a movement and an experience we're not instructing you in any way we're you know setting an example for ways to build skills and they're mm-hmm. all really amazing at you know their different areas of expertise they all come from different backgrounds in wellness so it's the five of us leading classes and then you know we have a board of advisors i have some friends who help me out for free with different design needs and strategy needs things like that but mm-hmm. definitely a smaller team right now in terms of You know, future capital. I'm still figuring it out. I think, you know, a crowdfunding opportunity could be the first step in 2021 just to have a little bit more road underneath us. We're doing incredibly well, but at the end of the day, you can only grow as much as your awareness is growing. And right now, it's really word of mouth. It's Mm -hmm. the five leaders telling everybody about us, and then they tell their friends, and, you know, there's that slow and steady growth there. But to, give it a little bit of a boost or some capital. So hoping to get that going the first half of this year so we can accelerate our growth. And then we'll kind of just see which lane opens up. I, I believe in my own plan, but I also believe in you know things shifting and the universe kind of presenting a new path and going down that way, just like it did with the corporate classes. So who knows where we'll end up? But so far it's been really fun and we're less than a year old. I mean, we launched in May 2020, so there's lots of time.
1: It's wild. Yeah, it is so still so early on, on that journey, I guess. How do you um how do you incorporate the practices that you're teaching while balancing the rigorous life of an of a founder?
0: I am very Ritualistic, I think that's a word, um, with my mindfulness practice. So I pretty much dedicate, you know, three or so hours in the morning to myself. I wake up early, I meditate in bed, I meditate out of bed, and then I do yoga or strength workout or run, do, you know, some, like I said, physical fitness. Um, so I make time for my workout and then I'll read a little bit and have a breakfast. And then by the time I sit down, it's you know 8 or 9am and I feel so good that it doesn't matter if I'm working like crazy for the next 12 hours because I've already accomplished what I need to accomplish to feel good and kind of set myself up to remain calm and positive throughout the day. So that I don't think that there's really a world where I wouldn't be working seven days a week right now, or like wouldn't be working long hours. But I really don't mind that. And I don't think that it would cause burnout for me because I'm so aligned with what I need to give myself that if there was a moment where I kind of felt those sensations coming on, I'm very happy to step back and, you know, just give myself whatever I need. Um, I, I think every founder should, you know, practice mindfulness because it really does have so many benefits in terms of clarity and focus and just being able to stay in yourself throughout the day. Um, I'm very grateful for the fact that I'm, you know, a mindfulness teacher because that just allows me to be a better founder.
1: As like, as you're doing these practices, I mean, do you find that, um, sometimes they might add to the, um, the, the laundry list, you know, the ever growing laundry list of to-dos that we have? Cause I think for some, it might be intimidating to like, you know, to have three hours in the morning of like these practices. Right. And they might feel more like work. Um, does it ever feel like more like a chore than, uh, than, you know, a refreshing, um, dive into self?
0: I completely understand that perspective and it's not a one size fits all. I mean, if that stresses you out. Don't do it. Do whatever feels (laughs) good. Of course. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I have to meditate. I try to change the narrative to I get to meditate. But I I honestly always look forward to it because I know how I'm going to feel after. And I, I haven't had a day where I've missed meditation in probably almost two years or so. But I remember the days where I would miss meditation. And even if it was placebo effect, I just didn't feel as good. I didn't feel as focused. I didn't feel as, you know, kind of in the moment. And for me... Even if it is a to-do list to check off, which definitely sometimes it feels like it, it's an important to-do list item. Like it's not one that I want to skip. So I still find that satisfaction in it because I know that I'm doing something to take care of me. You know, like you don't want to brush your teeth necessarily, but you Mm -hmm. do it because, you know, it's good for you, you know? So it's a similar um, habit.
1: Do you have like one specific form of meditation that you've landed on or are you practicing different um, are you working with different modalities, uh, every day and then, uh, follow on to that is, you know, is that the meditation practice or one of that you're facilitating at liberate?
0: So in terms of my own practice, my favorite form of meditation is walking meditation, which I don't do every day, but I mm-hmm. found, I think that's really how I got started and that's if I'm feeling anxious or stressed, that's my most calming, grounding form of meditation. Um, and then, you know, in terms of our classes, it's it's a really unique meditation experience. So for some participants who have tried yoga or meditation before and they think it's a little boring or you know they get lost within it their mind wanders we set the intentions at the beginning of the meditation we're taking you through a guided story for half of the meditation so you're really able to use visualization to connect with the theme and then the second half of the meditation is actual guidance there's really no more than a minute that's silent for yourself to connect with your breath um, so it's a way to visualize the theme and connect with all of the practices that we've done up until that point of class that hmm. feels like we're with you the whole time. Like you're never alone in the practice in class, which I think is really helpful for people who are just starting out.
1: So the meditation practices that, um, you're facilitating are, um, they, they come with us almost like every time there's like a new intention behind them. Yeah. So there's, you know, and and what would be an example of, of that, of an intention?
0: So it's, I do one free meditation a week with, or no, a month at Liberate, which I just did last night and 30 minute meditation last night's intention was loving kindness So the whole meditation was focused around loving kindness. It starts with yourself. The story is about, you know, extending loving kindness to yourself. And then the exercise and the guidance is around starting with that loving kindness toward yourself and then extending it to others, eventually to the universe as well. But that story like tees you up to be able to go through that visualization of the extension on more of a solo experience for yourself. Mm
1: And and did you um were you um yourself kind of guided in meditation before you started leading? Where where did you learn to practice? Yeah. Self-taught?
0: Uh no, I have a certification from the School of Positive Transformation, which is a kind of meditation Ooh. mindfulness school um in mindfulness and meditation. But when you meditate every day too, you kind of pick up on different um, techniques that different guides use. I love the Ten Percent Happier app by Dan Harris. I'm obsessed. Yeah,
1: he's wonderful. He's
0: oh, the best. Um, and so there's I so many some,
1: options out there. It's crazy. There's but f- so
0: many options. Yeah, that is my favorite. And they have a lot of different mindfulness experts that lead um, different sessions. And I find a lot of inspiration in you know some of the techniques that they use too.
1: Awesome. You said you work with sports therapists, like. Is there? I really like the quantitative element of, um, you know, s- scoring from beginning to end. That was something that I wanted to follow up with because I think with your digital marketing experience, right? It's like CAC to LTV and like you know, uh, user retention and basically how to keep people coming back um, and gain impressions. Uh, but with with some of these skills, we don't really have like a quantitative framework for them. So I'm curious, you know, what, what kind of framework you're building around, like when somebody starts with you and then moves through your programs?
0: Well, luckily for us, there's a lot of, you know, studies and data on the effectiveness of mindfulness, the effectiveness of meditation and so on. So we don't have to start from scratch in terms of you know, does meditation help your mental state? Like we have a lot of studies for that, which is good. And then really it's with the programs that we're able to do those intake forms. So someone's just coming to a single class. We, in the beginning would survey and ask, how did you feel at the beginning of class? How did you feel after class? And everyone Mm -hmm. said along the lines of, I felt anxious coming into class. And after class, I felt calm, confident, present, peaceful, connected, refreshed all these good words, beautiful word cloud out of it. <laughs> and for the programs with those 5 week courses that we're doing for, you know, human beings and then we're also doing courses for corporate classes, that's where you'll take the intake form before and after and so you rank yourself on the 5 themes where you feel like your skill level lays across the 5 and then if yes or no do you have the tools within this skill set? and then we ask if you've had, you know, any anxiety attacks recently, kind of what your relationship is with that, some open-ended questions. That's pretty much it. And then at the end, you'll take the same exact intake form and then, you know, a few other customized questions, and we can see you ranked yourself at a 3 with presence. Now you're a 10. You said you didn't have the skills. Now you say you have the skills. So it's not us just saying, well, we gave you the skills, so we know you get them. We're asking, we gave you the skills, but did you receive them? And you know, can we do a better job basically sending that you know, information and knowledge your way? And we just started doing this this year, but we've already completed a few programs. And we are seeing 100% of you know, corporate programs participants say they did gain valuable skills for work. And then, you know, about 90% gained skills across all five categories. Some people who didn't gain skills across all five, it's because they rank themselves as a 10 at first in gratitude and they rank themselves as a 10 again afterwards. So there's no real growth there. Maybe if we had, you know, the scale to 11, there would have been, but, um, so far, you know, all of the results are really positive and I, I want to use that because I also think that that helps mindfulness feel a little bit less woo woo and a little bit more proven, you know, just like if you, if you go to an arms class at Barry's Boot Camp three times a week, your biceps are going to go from looking like twigs to looking like twigs with a little little bump. And, you know, being, (laughs) being able to have that like proof, I think is really helpful to get people to commit to the practice. So that's what we're working on.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely something that I wanted to lean into. So thank you for, for answering that. I think like the, I think like the difference between mental fitness and physical fitness is like, you know, you can see physical fitness, as you said. So like you can feel mental fitness when you're feeling good, but we all go through cycles too. So it's like, it's often hard to say. I like to think of it as like a spiral upwards, but, um, but yeah, thank you for that clarification. That was, that was helpful. I think we're coming up on uh, an hour or we're closing in on an hour here. I uh, would love to offer the opportunity for you to kind of share anything else that's on your heart or on your mind uh, with the listeners, anything you think that they could uh, benefit from.
0: I, you know, I just want to share that I am here. Liberate is here for anyone who... Is going through something, whether you're in a life rut or a life groove, or you just want to work on yourself. And that is, you know, open for all human beings, all walks of life. I have, like I said, experienced a lot of stress and anxiety, and a lot of that heaviness comes from feeling really alone with uncomfortable feelings. So my goal is to take some of that weight off of you and, you know, hold that for you so that there's more room for you to work on your mental fitness with more levity
1: beautiful yeah i think that's that's super important um for folks to know that they're not alone you know it's i think we all many of us try to go through this um this journey to self-realization uh or self-discovery solo and oftentimes you can really accelerate your growth in groups so it's great that you offer this um Thank you so much for your time, Liv. Really appreciated having you on the show. Uh, For listeners, it's it's Liberate, and we'll drop uh, the link in the show notes for your ability to join some of these sessions um, to cultivate courage and resiliency and pride. And the last two?
0: Gratitude and presence.
1: (laughs) Gratitude and presence. And clearly, I need to work on number five.
0: (laughs) It's a progress, you know?
1: (laughs) It's always a work in progress. Thank you so much. Thank appreciate you. I appreciate you coming
0: on. Thanks.
1: Bye. All right. Hello, Look Up listeners. One final note before we go. Thank you again for tuning in. Going forward, we'll be releasing new episodes of Look Up every Wednesday morning, Eastern Time. If you're getting value from this podcast and you wanna give back to support our future, please take a moment to contribute to our community on Patreon. Our Patreon contributors have access to some great additional perks, including one-on-one meditations with yours truly. I've shared the link in the show notes below the episode. You can also find the show notes to this and previous episodes on our website, www.thelookuppodcast.com. If you can't contribute at this time, There are other helpful ways to give back. You can share this episode on social media, tag me, and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Trust me, every review goes a long way. If you want more content, including more of my personal thoughts, you can follow me on social media. My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at Wark Meinstein, W-A-R-C-M-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Or you can subscribe to the Look Up Weekly newsletter on my website. I'm also very responsive to email, so feel free to send questions, booking inquiries, speaking requests, and sponsorship opportunities to marc at thelookuppodcast.com. Finally, for those of you that don't know, I lead virtual yoga, breathwork, and meditation classes, as well as one-on-one coaching and teaching sessions, which you can book from the website or my social media accounts. Thank you to Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the great intro and outro tunes and for the sound engineering. Thank you, brother. And thank you to all of you listeners for continuing to support the show, for tuning in. And I hope that you've been enjoying this journey as much as I have.